Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and for once I'm not joined by Justin Peach. That's because I'm joined on the show today by fans of the two teams competing in the playoff final. But you already know that because you've seen the title of this episode. We're joined by Jerry Crone from the Coventry Podcast, The Knee Lamptey Show. Jerry, how are we doing? I asked you that just as you take a swig from some sort Not of too bad, mate. Yeah, you. <laughs> I'm all right. Thank you, mate. I'm all right. Thank you. Also with us is Ollie Kay, who's head of written content at the Luton Town fan channel, Oak Road Hatter. Ollie, are we well? I'm doing very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, as I say, we've got fans of the two teams competing in this year's championship playoff final. So we're going to have a look ahead to the big game this coming Saturday. We've already had a bit of a sparring match before we started recording. Bit of a debate between the two about which team has been through more over the past few years. Um, maybe we'll get onto that in a sec. Uh, but we really want to find out what people are thinking heading into this game from the perspective of both clubs. So it's going to be a really interesting next half an hour or so, however long this podcast takes. So we'll kick things off, boys, with only the one place to start, and that's the nerves. How are we feeling ahead of this? Ollie, is this Luton's first trip to Wembley? No, it's not. Um, so we um, we won the League Cup in 88, but I wasn't around for that. Although my dad's always asking me, like, were you there with me that day? I was like, no, no, I was born two months later. Um, and then we've had a few forays uh, into the playoffs. But before that, in 2009, the, the season we got relegated to non-league and, and Scunthorpe went up to the, uh, to the championship. Uh, we won 3-2. Um, at Wembley in the JPT Johnson Paint Trophy final. Then we had a uh, some National League playoffs. Um, 2011, um, we were at the Etihad. Then 2012, we met York in the playoff final. And uh, we saw one of the worst offside decisions in association football where Matty Blair scored and uh, we lost 2-1 to York. But look where York are now. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> You don't sound much about it at all. And by the way, I, I should have mentioned, Ollie is speaking to us today from his back garden at his uh, in-law's house. Uh, hence why you could probably hear birds in the background. Uh, Jerry, you'll have had a bit of experience at Wembley, of course, after promotion in the League Two playoffs in 2018. Is that helping you prepare mentally for this nerve-shredding experience? 
Yeah, well, well as you know, we've had um, you know a, a tremendously successful last twenty years compared to Luton. So we're well we're well versed in constant success and and happiness. Um, now we this will be the sixth, third Wembley trip in six years, I think. So, um, but none of the gloss has been taken off it. It's still terribly exciting. Nerves wise, for me, I couldn't. I nearly went down and watched, well, not watched the Middlesbrough second leg on the concourse because I couldn't take it anymore. Like the whole, and it actually got worse when we scored. If we'd have not scored, got knocked out that day, we'd have not really lost anything. As soon as we went 1-0 up, it felt like when we were going to lose, which in my head, we only had one option, then we'd have actually lost something there. So weirdly, I'm sort of reasonably sanguine about this at the moment, at least. I think it'd probably be a lot worse Friday and Saturday um, but I think it's so preposterous that we're here in the first place that it's lovely to have the day out to Wembley we want to win it I think there's a feeling that now that we've got past Middlesbrough there's a feeling that we've got a chance against Luton um, but I'm just I'm just glad of the season that we've had no matter what happens it's it's incredible that we are where we are yeah there was that mad stat for a long time wasn't there pre-2018 the last time Coventry finished in the top six of any league was in 1970 I mean that's yeah so it was it was over 50 years that we'd finished in the top six of any league um Luton fans which you'd probably call incredible success really wouldn't you the um the and then since then is basically all we've done is is have um you know, sort of relative levels of good success it has to be sort of offset by the fact that we'd been in the top flight of the of English football for something like 35 years at the point where we got relegated. It was only Arsenal and, and Everton that had been up there higher. So you could argue that we should never have really been even as low as League One, let alone League Two. So the success is relative in a way, but it's felt fantastic because you, when you support Coventry City, you're used to a team that doesn't do anything, it doesn't do well, doesn't win games. So the last five, six years have been very, very, very unusual, very welcome. Yeah. I am, um, I mean, I'm, I'm only. 29 so for me Coventry have always been outside of the Premier League in the time that I've been watching football so the idea of them being back in the Premier League is a bit strange to me but for people of an older generation it's but this, look, this is the thing with you young people though Ryan isn't it is that you think you know everything right you think <laughs> you know you've just come into this earth and that but you know this is like you know for 30 odd years in the top division it means yeah. nothing now obviously because the past has no bearing on the future really does it but it is true nonetheless now yeah, I, I yeah. remember the days of Dion Dublin, Peter and Love. That that was a you know Coventry were you know a nice team in the old uh, in the Premier League before they went yeah. down. It, it was crazy Hadji. because I remember oh Haji Mustafa Haji, Lovely. yeah Mustafa Haji. Also the Chico. team that both Alan Shearer and Ian Wright said that whenever they hadn't scored in a few games, they'd look to see when they were playing us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's talk about the journey that both your clubs have been on. As we were saying, both of you were playing in League Two in 2018. Jerry Coventry's journey has been very traumatic at times, hasn't well, it? Well, has it? <laughs> well, <laughs> so, Ollie, Ollie may disagree, but we'll leave that there. Um, Jerry, what do you think 2018? Jerry would have said if you told him Coventry might be in the Premier League in 2023 because that's quite a short turnaround 
yeah, it's a very short turnaround. We've we've spoken a few times, Ryan, and I think you're used to my absolute rampant pessimism. So, I mean, I would have laughed very, very hard at the, the, the ludicrous notion that we would be anywhere near this position come six years' time. I think in 2018, me, would have would have liked to have hoped that we had got back to League One in the time span that we've 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 amassed since there was no there was no reason to imagine that we would be anywhere near it it's only mark robbins taken over at the point where we got relegated to league two that's been the catalyst for anything we had the same owners the same problems at the ground all of the same situation no money the only thing that changed was mark robbins coming in which is why you have to give him such an unbelievable amount of credit for the job that he's done um and it, yeah it's just it's absolutely implausible that, that we are where we are today Ollie, I remember going to watch Luton play when they're in the conference. Two or three games, I think it was. I think one was against Woking, another against Southport. I mean, that was about 10 years ago. Same question to you. How would 2013 Ollie react if we told him Luton would be in the Premier League in 10 years' time? So I said this on the, the Wise Men Say uh, preview show where, when uh, just before the, the, the two-legged playoffs. Um, honestly... I am fully expecting to wake up. If, if we get promoted, then I wake up and we're still in the conference because the journey we've been on and the, the speed at which we've gone from seventh, it's just been a decade since we finished seventh in the National League and now we're finishing third in the championship. It, it, it's it's got to be a dream or like, uh, or perhaps I've died and this is like uh, my brain melting down just before, you know, the last bit of light leaves my body. Who knows? But it, it's, it's sensational. It's a, it's a credit to um, our board of directors, 2020, who, who essentially in 2009, they, they picked up a dumpster fire of a club um, after we'd had such bad owners and they got the house in order. It, may, it might have taken a little bit longer to get out of um, non-league than, the, than they were expecting, but they cut their teeth at, in the hardest, most, the hardest horrendous circumstances, going to Barrow, you know, going to Gateshead, all these, you know, good footballing teams, you know, with, with plenty of heritage and history, but, you know, essentially thinking, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll bounce back up. First time, no problem. And then we just go to the playoffs and then, failing in the playoffs and, and the only way to get out of national league as as Wrexham have shown is you've got to you've got to storm the league with many many points and that's essentially what we did once John Still came in it, it's unbelievable what a journey since 2013 but yeah I, I wouldn't you know if I told this to 2013 Ollie I wouldn't believe it <laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, both managers have done fantastic jobs, haven't they? Amazing jobs, in fact. And Jerry, Mark Robbins has been doing it over numerous years now, hasn't he? I was saying in our last episode that if there was a manager of the year for the past five years or manager of the past five years award, Mark Robbins would win that hands down, wouldn't he? Is he, is he effectively a king in Coventry at this point? I mean, there is a song that literally says that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, I don't think anybody, if, um, if, if they put a statue up of him now, nobody would think it was weird. That's, that's the level that he's at. Um, and like I said before, it's, it, this has only happened because of him. There's nothing else going, well, 
getting back to the championship has only happened because of him. We'll come on to talk about the players in a second, but the, the, the thought that we're getting out of the championship might be down to two other people as well. But yeah, you can't, you literally can't overstate how good a job he's done. We, no money, no anything. Every time that a player in the last, even in the last five years, the second that a player has started to do well, they've gone, which I understand because that's how a football club runs. And he's more often than not been not been given the money that he's got for that player to replace those players. And consistently, he's managed to upgrade. The classic example is going up from League Two, getting a million quid for Mark McNulty and spending £500,000 on Matt Godden. To, to be able to do that so consistently over the course of five or six years and keep moving forward is, 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 is incredible. Ollie, how good a job has Rob Edwards done? And are you maybe a bit surprised at how well he's done in such a short space of time? Well, we, we, the fact that we brought him in um, to no, normally when a manager lose, uh, normally when a team loses uh, their manager halfway through a season, it's because they've done a terrible job. It's it's quite rare that they're just poached by a bigger team. Um, so the the team was in a good state, but when Nathan Jones left, we were tenth in the table. Um, and to answer your question succinctly. Yes, I am very surprised at how he's done, um, considering I was hearing from Watford fans, ah, oh, the football was terrible, oh, he wasn't getting any, he wasn't getting a tune out of our players, uh, but they only lost twice in their first 10 league games, and they beat Burnley, I think they beat Sheffield United as well, but what he's done since he's come in, he, he stood on the shoulder of Nathan Jones, and he's just given us that little little bit extra. He's got that little bit more out of Colton Morris. He, he's got that extra 10% out of the entire team. And the best thing he's done is he's turned Gabe Osho into a quality championship centre-back now. And th- that, I feel he's... Um, I've heard a story uh, which explains the difference between how what, what Rob Edwards has done. So well, one of my friends was sitting with Fred Onyadidma at the end of season awards. And uh, he asked Fred, what's the main difference between Nathan Jones and Rob Edwards? And Fred said, with Nathan Jones, you never know what you're going to get because he can just fly off the handle like that. Uh, whereas Rob Edwards is a much more calming influence. And anyone watching our games can tell the difference right away. And that shows on how we conduct ourselves on the pitch now. It, it's a much more relaxed environment on the pitch. And I imagine off the pitch as well, because instead of seeing Nathan Jones just chomping down on his fingernails constantly throughout a match, you, you see Rob Edwards, you know, he, he'll, he'll tell players what to do. But I feel that's how he's, you know, taken us to that next level in the championship. Let's look ahead to the future then. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Have you guys thought about how your club would do in the Premier League if they got promoted? Jerry, do you think Coventry would do well in the Prem? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to really good think about it. Because <laughs> we will be the worst we will be the worst Premier League team in the history of the of the competition. <laughs> because we're not gonna we're not, it's not uh, like I say. I know it's it's rampant pessimism, but we're not. We I think at the end of this season we're going to end up with something like, I think it's something like four or five players under contract. So we need to completely rebuild the squad, no matter what happens. And 
I don't think we're gonna have a great deal of money. So if we go in, so if we go up on Saturday, we've got to buy an entire Premier League squad with with no money, and it'll be like not like Forest. You'll have to buy twenty three. <laughs> so, but we won't have Maranakis's money. So, I yeah, I'm not. I in some ways, like it's not a great prospect. The idea can <laughs> get promoted. But of course, you've got to want it because of the money and all of the status and everything else. But yeah, we we will really be a it will it will be an absolute horror show for us next season if we are promoted. <laughs> not the answer I was expecting, to be fair. Well, you're, um... you're not. Why? Because we've not really done well with a nobody has finished on nobody has finished fifth with this few points in the last ten years in the champ in the championship. We were sixteenth in Feb. And so, and we're not we're not good. We've got two good players, and both of them will definitely leave us in the summer. So, uh, two years ago, when we first came up, sorry, Ollie, I'll let you have your say in a second. We there was a number of players that we were like, this is we're really we're really glad that we've stayed up by the skin of our teeth, but we have to replace these players that are obviously not championship quality. And three or four of them started on on Wednesday. <laughs> we were not looking like at, it's, we've got two at the Premier League though because. You've just had three, the three teams you got promoted all stayed up in the end relatively comfortably. Do you not think that the money that Coventry will get from the Premier League, you add to the squad that you've got with, you know, Jokeres, Hamer, Wilson, these players who are quite, are really, really good at championship level and maybe should be playing in the Premier League. All you need no. is five or six bodies, maybe? I don't, I don't want to be mean to Ben Wilson, but the person that's most surprised about Ben Wilson's season this season must be Ben Wilson. Because he's, I don't think he's ever been a first-choice keeper ever in his career up until the halfway point of last season. And look, if you look at his Wikipedia page, the idea that he would have ever have won championship, he would have been in the championship team of the year, is is unbelievable. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go mad and say let's see how he does in the Premier League. I think it might be a stretch beyond where he's at. And I think if we were going to keep Hamer and Jokeres next season, I would be much more confident. I'm 100% sure that they are both gone. I have on pretty good authority that Hamer especially has said, this is now my time to go. And Jokeres is going to pick and choose which Premier League club he wants to go to in the summer. So even if we get promoted, our two best players, well, our team is gone because our team is those two players. Um, and I think they're once in a million, one in a, one, one in a million signings. They both cost a million quid and we're going to sell both of them for probably 20 plus. So I, we, there's no way we'll replace replace them. You remember, I mean, you're a student of the championship, Ryan, aren't you? You will have seen Jokeres playing for Swansea, I assume, and the and the absolute clown car that he was when he was there. He was you. So I, so I don't know what we've done to him, but I know that we bought him because he was damaged goods and then all of a sudden he's become fantastic. I, I, I'm not, I'm sure, I'm sure, Robbins has worked miracles, but I don't think you pull that trick again. Fair enough. Ollie, what do you think about Luton maybe being in the top flight next season? Well, I did think that we'd potentially break Derby's record. Um, what was that? Nine points? Seven? No, no, oh, no. It's, uh, 12. I think. Oh, 12. 12. Yeah, okay. yeah. As high as 12. Um, yeah. Um, the, the optimist in me thinks uh, because there's from 12 downwards, 12 to 20 in the Premier League, the quality isn't all there. Um, and because Luton would bring something that 
that the Premier League sort of wouldn't be ready for. It might get figured out down the line, but we, we don't really play football like uh, like everyone else in the Premier League, like with, with beautiful passing and everything. It's more about try and pin the opponent back, press as high as possible. I think Danny Murphy said it on TalkSport the, the other day. Uh, the Premier League wouldn't be ready for the type of football that Luton would bring. Um, so I, I feel that we'd have a go at it. We certainly wouldn't throw a lot of money at it. We'd probably use that money to tie up some of our better assets to better figures, um, better contracts, because uh, it's, it's widely reported that we operate a hard salary cap. Um, maybe it would give us the, the freedom to extend that salary cap and even after our inevitable relegation the year after, we'll be able to um, operate on a slightly higher salary cap, but still keep the cap in place. Um, so I, I do think we'd probably use that opportunity and the extra funds to maybe hoover up some better talent from you know top-end League One, bottom-half championship, potentially. But with the, the main thing about being in the Prem the, the only objective is to keep the, the club in the black for the next decade and um, get the money to build Power Court without any debt because that will allow us to um, essentially keep the club sustainable for the rest of the century and possibly beyond that. So that is the ultimate objective for getting one season in the Prem. That's all we want for now. It will allow us to build for the future. It'll at least be great to see Kenilworth Road in the Premier League. Did you know one of the entrances Ooh. to Luton Stadium is in a row of houses? Someone should really mention it on Twitter. Mm. Let's take a quick break, <laughs> chaps. After that, we'll talk about some of the players who will be standing out for each side on Saturday. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. This is our fan preview of the Championship Playoff Final coming up on Saturday. And quite often, the Playoff Final comes down to a moment of brilliance. So with that being said, who's going to be your most important player on Saturday, Joey? If you asked me two weeks ago, I'd have said Jokeres, hands down. Because 21 goals, 10 assists... And he, he, in essence, is our attack. Uh, but the, the way that things are going at the minute is it'd be hard not to say Hamer, who's just become... Jacques is the attack, but Hamer is the team at the minute. Scored three goals in his last five games, set up, I think, all of the other goals that we've scored in that time. And from a what realistically a defensive midfield position, he's, he's doing everything. He stops every opposition play, he plays every ball forward. He's just everywhere. And on that big Wembley pitch, his energy is going to be absolutely crucial for us. And his ability to find Jokeres is going to be huge. So it will be between the two of them because it's not going to be anybody else. But the the I, I would say I would say Hamer because I, the way that he's been just recently is is absolutely yeah, a different planet. Yeah, the size of the Wembley pitch does make a huge difference. I and mean, when you've got that passing ability that Gustavo Hamer has, that's going to be really important, isn't it? Um, Ollie, same question to you. Who's going to be Luton's most important player? So uh, I, I was thinking maybe it would be a toss-up between 
the strikers and the defence to, you know, because the strikers need to perform, get the goals. The defence need to keep Jokeres quiet. But I changed my mind as well. And I think the most important player is going to be Marvellous Nakamba. He's going to have to keep Gustavo Hamer in his sights all afternoon, um, you know, sort of skirt on the dark side a little bit, maybe leave a leg in a little bit. Um, we're very fortunate that uh, Nakamba even is eligible to play because uh, in the first leg at Sunderland, he probably should have got sent off, um, you know, for a second yellow. So we're very lucky there that we had him for the second leg. But what Marv brings uh, when he's on it is um, he, he makes our team so much more solid. He reads the game beautifully. And essentially the key to stopping Coventry from getting the ball into, into um, Jokeres, as Joey said, is, you know, sort of kneecap them by preventing Hamer from playing his game. And that, that's what Marvellous Nakamba has to do. Let's talk tactics then, boys. What's your team's biggest weakness heading into this weekend? Ollie, what's Luton's biggest problem in your mind? Well, I've, I've heard it's big pitches, so it's, it's good that we're going on to one of the bigger pitches on the country. Uh, it's ideal, isn't it? Um, uh, I, I'd say, um, seriously, um, I'd say playing teams that, uh, possession-based teams that can play through our press. Because the press is how we've gotten to where we are at the moment. Pressing from the front, all the players working as a unit, working for each other. Um, but teams like, say, Middlesbrough, in, in, when we beat them 2-1, um, in that first half, they were playing through our press very effortlessly on our dinky little Kenilworth Road pitch. Um, so I, I am a bit worried about having a slightly wider pitch. And also against Sunderland in the, in the first leg, um, once the crowd started getting behind the Sunderland team, then their players, um, like, you know, their, their Roberts, their Diallos, they had a bit more space to have a bit more fun and run at us. So that was worrying. Although I mitigate that by saying we do have the second best away record in the championship. So we can't be that bad on big pitches. Yeah, and your away record's actually better than your home record, I think, isn't it, compared to where you are in the respective league tables? So a bit weird, mm -hmm. that one. Um, same question for you then, Jerry. What's Coventry's biggest weakness? Uh, yeah, we will really struggle against teams that press us horribly hard at the pitch. So, um, yeah, the, the, the big aberration that we've had, well, I say aberration, the big standout bad performance we've had in the last... Well, in the second half of the season, I suppose, was the 4-0 home defeat by Stoke. And that was really heavily characterised by their ability to just put unbelievable pressure on our centre-backs. So McNally, McFadzian, Callum Doyle have been fantastic all season, but they are head and kickers. Do you know what I mean? They're not... These are not terrifically technically gifted players. Doyle, to a lesser extent. Doyle is probably a bit more adept. And McNally can... Can, is comfortable on the ball, but I think if he'd have been a terrific passer, I think he'd have been playing for Burnley this season. Um, and so I think we'll really genuinely struggle against that. I think that will be um, a problem for us. 
The other big weakness will be your ability to stop us doing the one thing that we do. We are an exceptionally one-dimensional team, and if you can triple up on Jokerez and cut the supply from Hamer, we haven't got anything else. It's that's not the thing is is that what we do is so terrifically effective that we can lean on it. So it'll be difficult for you to do because those two players are so brilliant, even if you absolutely pin men to them. But if you do stop it, we're not doing anything else. So they'd be the two for, for us. Following on from that, then, what's Luton's biggest strength, Ollie? It's um, how we work as a team. All the players will die for each other. They press as a unit. Um, following on from what Joey said, I guess a big strength is the fact that we play with two absolute pressing machines up top who trigger our press. So you've got Carlton Morris and Elijah Adebayo, who are big handfuls. Um, Carlton Morris especially has had, I'd say, at the age of 27, he's had a breakout season, really. And, you know, if you're playing uh, a three at the back, that, that's ideal because you, you're going to have, you know, three players to occupy both of them. And I think they're more than capable of, um, of occupying your defence, really. Um, but also, I like the way tactically how they split to the wings and then you get the 10 running in uh, beyond which will probably be Jordan Clark um, so that's a pretty good strength but also defensively we're, we're good like I know Ben Wilson beat Ethan Horvath for the Golden Glove by one game but defensively Ethan Horvath's um, performances this season have been um, had a bit of a gloss put on them by the the whole defensive output from the team, which starts from the front two and goes to the back three. And Jerry, same question to you. What's Coventry's biggest strength? Yeah, it's it, the, the thing is, it's effectively it's the same as the weakness, which is we have one way of playing, but the, a lot of teams struggle to stop it. The quality of those two players just is is too difficult to manage. Just as a slight aside to this, there was a moment on Wednesday where Coventry should have scored against Middlesbrough because Jamie Allen ran clean through on goal, and that was because there was a four, a two on four, so two attackers for us and four on for them, and all four Middlesbrough defenders swarmed onto Jokeres, allowing Allen to just run. <laughs> <laughs> fairly absurd but they were so scared of one other player that they let the man on the ball just have a clear run through on goal and that's I think that tells you sort of how scary those two players are particularly that's and also how the, the, the uh, Carrick isn't stupid Carrick will have said just do just do anything to stop them two players having the ball and uh, yeah and they've probably done that a bit too literally well that brings me very nicely on to this question Ollie Looking at the opposition, who do you fear the most in a Coventry City shirt? Is it a big, handsome Swedish striker or a, an aggressive, very talented player in midfield? I think I need to flip a coin. <laughs> um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Jokeres mainly because I've seen him pour a ball down and create a moment of magic where he can just run with the ball past three, four players. And find a finish. Um, I feel Jokerez, if he's on it, he, he can find a moment of magic that will, you know, put a game to bed straight away. Um, so, yeah, I'm going with the big Swede, thanks. 
Jerry, is there anyone in a Luton shirt you're particularly fearful of on Saturday? So uh, this is going to sound like I'm being dismissive, but the answer is no, because what I'm worried about with Luton, and you can tell me whether I'm being stupid here, it's your team, isn't it? I don't think you've got terrific standout players on their own, have you? You're just a brilliant unit. But you'd like to say about Morris, I looked up Morris the other day. Morris is a kind of a, a jobbing striker, isn't he? I think this is the first time he scored 20 goals in a season, is it? Yeah, it's the most goals he's scored all in his career. I, and I he's don't like, think he's ever got more than 10 in a season. And he's, he's all right, isn't he? But the, if he wasn't playing for you, he wouldn't have had the season that he'd had. Uh, yeah, well, that, that's a part of what we do. Like like you said earlier with, with Coventry, like we like taking broken things and we like to take players that haven't hit their potential. Um, so with, with, with Carlton, he was sort of a broken thing from, you know, relegated with Barnsley. And we... You know, we put him into a system where he works seamlessly, and we've we've improved him. But I think some of it is. I mean, the, when we talk about improvement, there, I, that that almost suggests that he's become a better player. I've got a feeling that what it is is that it's a changed mentality. Is that what you've done? Is you've got him motivated and you've got him wanting to do all of the things that he's doing, as opposed to I just. But what anyway? The point of it is, I. I think you, I like your fullbacks. Morris obviously, obviously is really good, um, but the, I, individually it's not that. It's the fact that I think as a team you could really, really damage us. Fair enough. Finally, then, and this is the big question, boys: How do you think the game will go on Saturday? Can I get a score prediction from you, please, Joey? Uh, I'm doing this under duress. I don't do predictions normally because they just make you look an idiot. Um, but I'm going to say two 0 Luton. 2-0 Luton. Do you give how much? No, 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 no. I'm going to change that. It's going to be, I, d- I doubt there's going to be more than one goal in the game. So I'm going to go for 1-0 Luton. Fine. How much of a percentage chance do you give of Coventry actually winning then? I, I don't know whether this is a wind-up because actually we've, <laughs> the last few weeks on our podcast, we, people have been, I've been pushing people for percentages because they won't give them over. Again. <laughs> so if I now concede and give a percentage, I'm never going to live it down. So I'm afraid that is where I'll have to draw the line. Fair enough. Ollie, what's your prediction? Oh, I, I haven't wanted to even think about this game, uh, especially not predicting a result because, yeah, as Jerry said, I look an idiot. Um, it's, it's going to be such a painful watch. Uh, I'm not going to have any fingernails or fingers by the end of it. I'll just have, you know, stumpy knuckles. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 Luton. I hope I'm not cursing it. But it's going to be painful, painful, painful game to watch. Yeah, I can imagine it is. What would you say it's both the biggest games your respective clubs have had in both your lifetime, both your lifetimes? Jerry, you can go. Mm. It's all relative, isn't it? Like we finished sixth in League Two without having a really good season. If you don't go up that season, what happens to you? Do you what's it? Do you do you lose that momentum? Do you stay in League Two? That was absolutely huge. Um, so I would say that, and yeah, I, I, that I mean, eighty-seven is within my lifetime, but I was only two. And, but this is, yeah, this is, whether it's the biggest, it's certainly one of the biggest. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's enormous. Ollie? Yeah, it's it's the biggest in the history 
there's been a lot of talk on 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 Luton Twitter about is this the biggest game? Like we we were in the FA Cup final in '59, the League Cup final in '88, JPT '09. Um, but no, because of the 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 sheer amount of money that is on offer for the winner of this game, it's a complete paradigm shifter for Luton Town Football Club. As I mentioned earlier, the, the money alone, if we weren't building a stadium, would keep us in the black for 10 years. And it means we'll be able to build a new stadium. It, it's a complete game changer. Yeah, it, it's, it's the biggest game in the history of the club. And I can't see a bigger game happening in the future of Luton Town in, in, in the future, unless by some miracle we, we keep getting, finishing higher and higher every season. And end up in the Champions League final in like 2047. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Eh? So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The biggest game in, or one of the biggest games, at least for both these clubs ever. And so this has been our playoff final fan preview, looking ahead to the big game next Saturday, where one of these two sides will be promoted to the Premier League. On Wednesday, we have our playoff final expert preview. We'll have the Championship Masters discussing the final. Benjamin Bloom, Ben HD, myself and Justin, I suppose. Uh, so keep an eye on your podcast feeds for that coming out on Wednesday. But until then, a big thank you to our guests on the show this week. Jerry Crone from the Coventry podcast, The Knee Lamptey Show. Jerry, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Also, Luton Town writer Ollie Kay from Oak Road Hatter. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me on. Cheers. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks, and a big thank you for listening. <laughs>